0: It's it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God, the election is over. I have never seen so many ads. Like, that is nuts. And now, I just hate everybody, right? (laughs) I just hate all of them. Uh, But uh, I don't know if you're happy or sad about that, Uh, but, you know, Jesus is king. Right, right. Uh, Jesus is king over, over, over Oregon, over Salem, over wherever, and so we can we can just be thankful for that. So, yeah, uh, we're in the middle of a, a giving campaign, uh, and which is something we don't we don't typically do here at Outward Church. Um, uh, frankly, it feels cheesy. feels feels like something. Uh, that uh, that we we've well it's it is something we've never done before. But um, this giving campaign is is really about uh, three things. It is about THX and uh, doing THX this year, uh, both in Salem and in Silverton. We've scaled back a little bit what we've done in years past uh, for THX for a couple of different reasons. But but one of them is is that we've needed the. Uh, the laity, that is you, the congregation at, at our church to, to join in at a, at a greater degree because uh, we've, we've, we need more help. And so uh, a number of you have stepped up. Uh, We're incredibly stoked about that, to help out with THX, and uh, that is being funded. Um, That's amazing. Secondly, the second thing that we want to do is we want to finish the planting of Outward Silverton. We planted Outward Church in Silverton. It is uh, a campus, if you will, of of Outward Church. It is a location. We want to finish planting that through a couple of different um, initiatives. One of them is to get a lead pastor hired, and and in order to do that, we need to front load and have uh, the salary for that lead pastor in savings. Uh, And then secondly, we have a classroom that we wanna finish out there because the Silverton Church is about as big as this uh, location uh, as well. So praise God for that, that's amazing. And then uh, the last thing is this, is that um, we believe that God's ultimate purpose Um, And that's not not just what we believe. We just talked about this out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, um, that God's uh, ultimate plan, his manifold wisdom, will be seen in and through the local church. We know statistically that people come to faith when new churches are planted, and it's a new uh, community that is in in that area. So we're incredibly passionate about planting churches and planting lots of churches. And so we're a part of a network called Acts 29. Um, That is going amazing. And we're we're excited about what the Lord has for us. And so we want to be ready for the next church plant. And what that requires is funds, uh, additional funds in the bank uh, to be able to support that idea. We can't even begin to take the first step towards planting the next church until we have the funds to be able to back that on some level. And so it may be that um, we end up finding another location uh, where we could put somebody and we could hire a lead pastor in advance next time perhaps. Um, We're not not sure. Um, But then uh, secondly, um, you know, a facility that we might lease, uh, the equipment for that, uh, you know, those kinds of things. The the new church in Silverton, I think on some level cost us around $50,000 initially. That was kind of a shock to me that it was that much. but, But lo and behold, there's a new church there preaching the gospel. People come to that church all the time that have not been to church in many, many years, have never been to church. A gal came and introduced herself to me a few weeks ago when I was out there and said, um, hey, I, I just wanted you to know that, I, I don't know what her story was, but it was something along the lines of, I was in, in, in deep sin and somehow someone invited me to this church and I love it and I'm going here now and uh, I think my brother Tim baptized her uh, a while ago. So praise God for that, right? Uh, Yeah, like that's, 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 oh, come on, come on. That's like, like, I know it's Oregon. I know, I know it's, it's, it's fall and you don't really want to respond, but I don't care. And uh, no, but it's, it's those kinds of stories. That's one out of so many. Um, that have happened because of uh, outward silverton so we're we're excited about that we're gonna be in this passage uh, chapter 3 verses 14 through 19 is what we had read I I really went through uh, 14 through 17 a last week and I'm now I'm gonna do 14 17 B through 18 uh, whatever that uh, whatever that means which is this uh, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God the the, the meat of this is is it's really saying something and that is like there is a spiritual experience beyond what you and I are are most likely experiencing on a regular basis. Like the, I, I think what Paul is saying is he's saying, There's more. There's more for you. There there's more of, of Jesus. There's more of his spirit. There's more experience. It's, it, you didn't get invited to outward church so that you could become a more moral person, although I hope you do, right? You didn't get invited so that your family would be better or whatever, although I hope it does. You got invited because there is an experience with God that is available to you through the cross, And beyond, Uh, part of the reason why we don't talk about this much is because there's really at least two kinds of churches. All right, two kinds of churches. Uh, One of them is a knowledge-based church, and then the other one is a uh, experience-based church. There's uh, the knowledge-based church, which would be like a like a Baptist church. All right. or maybe like a Presbyterian church. Sometimes the Presbyterians are referred to as the frozen chosen, right? Not a lot of experience happening there in that place. There's not a lot of Presbyterian churches that are creating worship albums or experiences or whatever. It really is about knowledge and much of evangelicalism is like that. It's about knowledge, what you know, what you believe, that kind of thing. It's what I grew up in, conservative Christianity. Not a lot of Holy Spirit stuff. Early days of, you know, when I was growing up, I remember my dad was a pastor. I remember my dad talking about those charismatics that were coming to our church and wanted to raise their hands in the service. And that was kind of like, I don't know if we should be doing this, all right? The the difference between here and here is just, it's out of control, right? That's, That's too much like let's like, like, take it down a little bit all right that's uh that's that's a little nuts but I grew up in that not a lot of uh spiritual experience but the the, the cool thing about the the Presbyterians the the Baptists the Reformed were Reformed if you know what that is, is if you don't doesn't matter right now uh, you'll find out more in the essentials class uh, maybe be offended uh, by something a thing or two but that's okay uh, so the reformed guys the Baptist guys those are the guys who are writing theology books oftentimes I'm not saying the Charismatics and the Pentecostals don't do that but I'm just saying that most of the time uh, those types of people the knowledge-based people are the ones who are writing books Right, but then you have the other side of it, which is the Pentecostals and the and the charismatics and these people are sometimes referred to as holy rollers right it gets it gets a little nuts sometimes like i mean i don 't know if you 've ever been to a service like that i mean sometimes there's people running down the aisles i mean I, I was in uh, Ecuador uh, for an uh, evangelistic crusade, I, we, and somebody invited us to come and play at this church, which is actually a large church for this very poor city. Uh, I was singing the happy song in Spanish, right? If you know what the happy song is, that was, that was my job and, uh, uh, f- for, that, for that concert. I, and I guess we're right in the middle of a song called Open the Eyes of My Heart in Spanish, and the pastor comes up front, and people know what to do. They start lining up, and they start coming down the aisle, and the pastor hits them on the head. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, and then I, in Spanish though, abre mis ojos oh Cristo, uh, and I open my eyes, and all of a sudden, this lady hits the ground, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> What is going on? And then my eyes were open for sure. And I'm going, I got to watch this, right? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was amazing. And, uh, but the cool thing is that you've got these folks who are really into experience. They're really into the experiential. And they write tons of worship songs. Mo- uh, many of the worship songs that we, that we sing here come from like charismatic or Pentecostal backgrounds a little bit. Um, of course, theologically we look at them and make sure that they align with our theology. But there, there's, there's experience there. There's, there's many people come to faith in Pentecostal and Charismatic churches. Like, uh, the rest of the world is being overtaken by many of those kinds of churches that are leading people to Jesus over and over and over again. Praise God, right? That's amazing. But our problem is this, is that we've taken these two sides of the church, the Holy Rollers and the Frozen Chosen, the knowledge and the experience, and we've separated them. we said, you know, I don't really like to have experiences like that, and so I want to stay with the more cerebral type church. I want to stay in that lane, or other people are like, man, I hate all of the book work that comes with that, so I just want to dance, so i go to that church, whatever it is. But we've, we've separated those things. This passage is saying something. It's saying you can know the gospel. You can believe the gospel. You can be walking with Jesus for years and years and be missing something. You can be saved. You can, you can have a saving faith and yet just kind of be dead in your faith. And Paul says, I don't just want you to know the truth. I want you to experience the truth. I want you to experience what God has for you. I want you to understand it. And I want you to understand it on such a level, what's it say in verse 19, that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you would know it on that level. And so he says here, he says that you being rooted and grounded. What is rooted and grounded? It means this, that you know the gospel, love the gospel, believe the gospel. There's a rootedness about like my life is rooted in the love of God for me through Jesus Christ on the cross. Like, like, like I, I cannot pay for my own sins. I can't be good enough for God to accept me. I can't be anything other than someone in need of grace. And that's what God provides. That's what he provides through Jesus. Paul says, now with Christ in you, and, and more than just him kind of like being in you, that he would, you would be inviting him into your life on a greater level. I talked about that passage out of Revelation 3 to the church in Laodicea where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he's talking to Christian people and he's saying, I want to come in. I don't, just, I don't just want to stay for a moment. I don't just want to be in your life for a church service or a, a small group or for a season or for a camp high or a mission trip high or something like that. I don't just want that. I don't just want, I, like, I'll save you. Yes, yes, you're, you're saved. But I want to come in and I want to dine with you. I want to eat with you. I want real communion with you. He's offering that to Christians. That's not an offer to non-Christians. He's inviting Christians to uh, to come in to them and dine with them. That's what he's offering. He says, I want to come in and dwell so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and then being rooted and grounded in this love with Christ being in you that this is what I want to see happen by the power of the Spirit that you may have strength to be able to understand, to be able to comprehend, to be able to receive, to be able to, un- to, 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 be able to unpack the idea that my love goes far beyond what you could possibly imagine. But it says this, that you'd be able to understand that, you'd be be able to comprehend that with all of the saints. See uh, spiritual experience is not private. You can have private spiritual experiences, I, I might read a few here in a moment. But it's saying, I want you to comprehend this along with everybody else who is a Christian. I want you to be able to understand this with them, in community, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know this love. I don't know if you ever come to church and, and you you start to feel guilty and you say, Man, I really should have done more for God this last week. I've really been slacking on my quiet times. I've been, my time with my time with Jesus has been not there. I don't really think about God during the week. Don't really know how I feel about God. And there's this sense of like, I should feel more for God. In fact, a sermon like this can cause you to feel that way. I should feel more about God. And what this passage is actually about is how does God feel about you? Ever thought about that? It's not about how you feel about God. It's about how God feels about you. It's his kindness that leads us towards repentance. How does God feel about me? He feels kind towards me. He leads me towards repenting. He leads me towards that. It's not about you mustering something up, it's about what God has done for you. Paul's prayer here is that you would be so overcome with God's kindness. That you would be so overcome with God's love, that you would be so overcome with the, with the experience of, of seeing his love on such a level that it would just blow your mind. That's what he wants you to see. It's not about how you feel about God, it's how does God feel about you. That's what Paul wants to show you right here. And so what is the breadth? What is, what is the breadth? I mean, we, we, we really don't have any indication as to what it is. But when you want to talk about the breadth or the, the width of God's love in Christ for you, what you have to look at is you have to look at that this, this love is incredibly wide. Like, it, it covers a lot of ground, it's very, very wide. It's, it's saying, come one, come all. It, it's, it's saying, like, like everyone who wants to have this can have this. The breadth of God's love is absolutely massive. It covers every nation, tribe, region, affiliation, theology. That has to do with Jesus, I should say. Revelation 5:9 says, and they sang a new song saying worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Everyone, all of us are invited into the love of God at a level that is beyond our comprehension. You." Yes, you have been invited into this. You could be saying to yourself, I'm not the kind of person that can experience this. I'm not the kind of person that that has the ability to get there, to to see that, to, to, to experience that because of my past, because of things that I've done, because of things that I haven't done. And it's saying, no, the breadth of this is that it covers any and all. Any and all. The breadth of God's love is mind blowing and it covers all of us. It covers every kind of person. You do not have to know anything or you could know everything. You could have grown up in a Christian home. You could have grown up on the streets. You could be poor, you could be rich, you could be black, you could be white, you can be Hispanic. Every tribe, nation, tongue, every single one. The love of God is so immense that it covers every kind of person that you can possibly think of. It is available to any and all. The love of God goes to even non Christians. You look at what he says in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse. Uh, 43 and following Jesus says you've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say to you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends his rain on the just and on the unjust God's love is going before him To people who have not even believed in him yet. In fact, before you had placed your trust in Jesus Christ, God loved you. He loves his enemies. He loves people who are against him. He loves people who want nothing to do with him. His love is absolutely wide. The breadth of his love is absolutely massive. The next one, length. What is this, what is this length? What, what, what is the length or what could the lengths be? The love of God is at such a length that, that it, it's absolutely amazing. The love of God is absolutely incredible. Now when we talk about like the, the lengths that someone went to do something. Or, we talk about a business that's been established since 1970. So when you go to hire somebody, like a contractor or something like that, you might say, oh, they've got a little sticker that says they were established in such and such a year. and So they've been in business for a long time, and so therefore, I feel like I can trust them. I feel like they have a track record of having done this. Look at the length of time. That God has loved you. The length of co- time is this. It is before the foundations of the world. Before time began. God has been in the business of love and grace longer than anyone. He's been more gracious than anyone, anywhere, at any time, for all time. The length of time that God has always been like this. He has a reputation for having loved people so much incredibly well Philippians 1 6 I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ he will finish his work what's the length of time he's gonna finish it doesn't matter how long it takes for you doesn't matter how messed up you are the length of time whatever the length of time is he will he will do it it's infinity really it's forever How long will he love? Eternity. John 13:1, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The length of time, he loves them to the end. And I, that is such a strange phrase because it's, it's like the end isn't right there, but Jesus is the only one who stands outside of time and he can look at you. And he can look at his disciples and he can say this, I loved you to the end. I'm, I'm, I'm loving you to the very end. Like, that's, like I'm looking out into eternity and I love you forever. The love of God, the length of it is massive. It is beyond comprehension. He's not a fickle friend. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever, Hebrews 13, 8. His love is a certainty. You look at Romans 8:30 and it says and those whom he predestined he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified. It's like hey, if I've called you, you're mine. I'm going to finish what I started. I'm going to finish what I'm doing in you. And this whole idea of like I've justified you, the meaning meaning this, you deserved condemnation But I went ahead through my own righteousness, and I gave it to you, and therefore I gave you justification, and as a result, you will be glorified, and he has glorified you. The lengths to which God will go to pursue you are are immense. You might be in the midst of running away from him. The lengths that God will go to pursue you, you may have never actually had any kind of a passionate relationship with God. You sit there and think, I've never done anything. I don't have a leg to stand on. The lengths at which he will go, he will pursue you. He will go after you. You cannot outrun him. You cannot outpace him. You cannot outlive him. You cannot outsin him. You cannot outsin his grace. For you because the length of his love goes far beyond think about how much you could sin and then tack on a million years beyond that think about how far you could go and then tack on miles and miles and miles and miles and miles it's a never-ending ocean of grace. The lengths of God's love for you is beyond what you can possibly imagine. He's a loyal friend. John 10, 27 through 29. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Meaning this, there is nobody, including you, that can get outside of the grasp of the Father. He is greater than all. He's the one who will go to the greatest lengths. I mean, the the thing that I want to communicate to you is this, is that you're not beyond the love of God. The only thing that God wants uh, for you, not from you, the only thing that he wants for you is for you to experience his love and the lengths at which he will go to save. There's nowhere you can go to escape his love for you. Psalm 139, seven and eight, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. The lengths that God will go to to save you are immense. The height, what is the height? This is the one that commentators and preachers have the hardest time communicating I think and, it, and I think it's because it's it's so like it's so out there it's so like the heights like like think of elevated language it seems inconceivable it's 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 out there like it's totally out there look at uh, Colossians 1 when it's talking about the mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory what is glory What does that even mean? Like like Christ in me gives me glory, the heights of that, the elevated language of that, that somehow my experience with God can ascend to the heights? It's amazing. It's amazing. He calls us sons Romans 8, 14 through 17, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Like my, my, my real family, my true family is in God. I am a son of God. Think about where that takes you. It takes you from the realm of tactile and right here and right now to, to up there in the clouds sons of God? What's it say next? For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Like there's this, the, as a son, I have this spirit, and it's by the spirit that I can cry out to God, and I can say, Abba, Father, Dad, Man. I, I get to have this elevated conversation that goes beyond my needs and wants and desires and my sin and all this stuff, and I can just cry out to my God. Think about the heights of that, like the immensity of it. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ we, somehow we're receiving some type of inheritance we're, we're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him you see, you see the language here of, of sonship of glorification the spirit enabling us to call out to the father that, Like, think about the, the height of this I don't know if you've read through John 17 in a while I've been reading kind of through John 14 through 17 recently just kind of going back and I I noticed something about myself and that is sometimes I, I don't have a deep love for this passage I think that's terrible because it's called the high priestly prayer and it's an amazing passage of scripture but it's it's this passage is just it's Jesus talking to his Father, and it's like I'm listening into a conversation, and I'm and I'm and I'm just kind of listening in. It's like when my kids sit and put their ear on my bedroom door while me and my wife are talking, and uh, they're just kind of listening in. What are they saying about us? Are they gonna let us watch TV or go do the thing we want to do? If, if if you just read through it, it's 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 so much like out of this world in some sense. It says in John 17, 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, "'Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, "'that the Son may glorify you, "'since you have given him authority over all flesh.'" to give eternal life to all whom you've given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now Father glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people you have given me out of the world. Yours they were and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Over and over again it says they and them and they and them. It's Jesus praying for things that are out of this world for you and for I. It's Jesus praying for us. And it's and I want to be in line with what Jesus has for me. But I think there's riches in here. The glory of his riches. It takes us to the heights of just saying, Man, this what does Jesus want for me? Look at what he prays to the Father. For you. Look at what he's praying. Look at what he what he's saying. The last one, the depth. There are no depths to which he is not willing to go. The elevated language may be too much for you. The breadth may be too much for you. Each of these may be too much. And it's ultimately because maybe you feel like you're in the pit. Maybe you feel like, that, like I, I can't climb out of this mess. I can't, I can't climb out of where I'm at. Now it could be anywhere from some kind of horrendous sin that at least you think is a horrendous sin. But it could also be this sedentary, lifeless Christianity that feels like a pit. Feels like the pits. It, feels, it doesn't feel anything, it just feels like I just go to church. People tick me off I don't like small groups I, I don't like the music whatever it is that you don't like it, it might be that you've just been steady Eddie and praise God for that but it just it just feels lifeless that's a pit what's the pit that you're in where are you at Psalm 40, one through three. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord." I feel like I could do a whole nother sermon on that. What's the psalmist saying? He feels like he's in a pit of destruction. But there's something about that psalmist that is rooted and grounded in this God. He's rooted and grounded in such a way that he just says, I don't know, I don't know what it takes. I don't, know, I don't know what it takes for me to get out of the pit of despair. I don't know what it, what it takes for me to get out of the pit of sexual sin. I don't know what it takes for me to get out of the pit of this mundane Christian life that I'm tired of living. I don't know what it takes, but he's rooted, or he or she or both is rooted and grounded in the love of God. And the faith that they have says, God, I'm just going to wait patiently for you. I'm just going to wait patiently for you, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait on you. I'm just going to sit. Do you know what that requires? It requires that I can't be as busy as I want to be. It requires mental space. It, re- it requires just saying, I just want to be reminded of your presence with me, God throughout the day. I, I just want to be reminded of like, you're with me, you're by me, you're close to me. I, I'm, I'm reading these scriptures and saying, and, and I see that no one can snatch me out of your hand. That yes, even I am included in this offer of the experience of the love of God. Like these are truths, I'm rooted, I'm established. That means I'm I'm a tree, my roots have gone down deep into the knowledge, yes, but I'm taking that knowledge and I'm saying, I'm putting it to work. I'm investing, I'm investing in this God and I'm saying, God, I believe the truth that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. You are in me and I want you in me and I'm dwelling here by faith. I'm I'm dwelling right here and right now by faith, that I would be rooted, that I would be established, and that I would be somebody who just waits patiently. And I'm not sitting here and I'm not telling God, hey God, do this. But I'm just saying, I just, I'm just going to wait on the Lord, where are you at? What pit? Because the depths of the love of God go beyond your depression. The depths of the love of God go beyond your sin. The depths of the love of God go beyond your lukewarmness. The depths of the love of God go far beyond what you could even possibly imagine. There are no depths to which he's not willing to go And I'll just reference a couple of passages even though he's, he was equal with God he was born in the likeness of men he came down that's the depths he was found in human form he humbled himself that's the depths that's the depths he came and he got you And he absolutely wants relationship with you. And more than just relationship with you. He wants you to experience him. And so I said last week, how many of you, like, if you want this, I want to invite you to pray for this that we would experience the love of God on a level that we've never experienced before. That we would experience the love of God in a way that, a way that we have never actually experienced. How do you get it? You just want it. You ask the Spirit, Lord, Spirit speak through my prayers. You can't want that without the Spirit already being in you. You're already there, you're, you're ready, you're, you're on the edge. So what does it look like to wait patiently? It's, it's to take space and time and it's to say, I just wanna experience the love of God. Lord Jesus, let me experience your love. Lord, that thought of me not counting, of me not mattering, that thought of me not being able to, to get to that, that thought of me not belonging, that thought of me not not having what it takes is out. Because you say that I'm a son of God. Because you say that I am somebody that absolutely has the ability, simply because I have your Spirit. And so far beyond this, what's what's crazy to me is that we as Christians, myself included, can listen to a sermon and then have it have no tangible impact in our lives. But Christians especially that are in this room, Jesus is calling us to a greater experience of discipleship in Him. Jesus is calling us. It is is without question. He's calling you to that. He's calling me to that. It is without question. He's inviting us into deeper relationship with him. And I want to invite you as the church to invest. And to say, okay, I'm just going to wait patiently for the Lord. He will draw you up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog. He's already done so through the cross, and that's what we do here every Sunday as we partake of the Lord's Supper, just to remember that that work has been done, but we can also remember that we get to experience His love on a deeper level. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as the ushers come forward?